RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's Thursday morning and it's time for Money Talks. This is where Farzan Arani helps us join the Money Dots. Farzan, welcome back to RCR. Great to have you. Good morning, Paul. Thank you. Always okay. a pleasure. Okay. Um, sorry, I, was, I'm, I jumped in quick because I'm excited. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, yesterday, the Reserve Bank, um, well, they, they've... Tell us what they've done with the OCR first. I mean, everybody knows, but let's start there. Yeah, as I'd mentioned, um, that they would possibly not look at raising the interest rate uh, just before elections. Yeah, um, that is always the case, mate. You don't. The Reserve Bank doesn't want to be seen meddling with. Uh, wants to be seen not meddling with these kind of things just before an election. Um, but we know what's happening under the surface. Obviously, they have decided not to raise the interest rate, and they've left it at five point five percent. And that's been the case since May this year. So, um, yeah, it's at 5.5%. But meanwhile, inflation is building still, isn't it? Well, it's funny you say that because most reserve banks around the world are now, because they see that the governments are kind of going, um, well, not broke, but the governments have a high servicing cost on this debt. Uh, they've decided to slow down these interest rate rises. So Australia on um, Tuesday also decided not to increase the interest rate. And everyone's excuse is going to be inflation seems to be coming down. Um, but it's funny you mentioned that because there's a statement in their release, which I had taken note of, and it said the recent rise in global oil prices could increase domestic costs over coming months, risking headline inflation being higher than expected. So what all the reserve banks have been justifying is look 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 inflation's coming kind of coming down it's still not within our range of in new zealand's case one to three percent but we see it uh moving in the right direction so we're just going to be on pause now the way i see it is uh after this decision the next one's going to be in november elections will be done and dusted maybe in my personal view there is a 50 percent chance uh, of another rate rise, or the next one will be next year in Feb. So maybe there could be a rise then of 25 basis points in the first half of uh, 2024. Okay. Um, the point about uh, not raising rates before an election, I can understand that. I get that. But wouldn't it be more genuine to say, look, there's an election at about the time we would normally announce the OCR. So what we're going to do is suspend that because it's not appropriate or ethical or whatever you want to say to do that at that time so we will reschedule it for a period after the election wouldn't that be a more honest way to go well yes but when you say honest it just means then you're coming out and saying that the reserve bank is not independent right whereas it's to be seen as being independent which it is well according to the official paperwork and stuff it is but the whole point is, no, they're not going to come out and say that because politics has technically nothing to do with monetary policy, even though we know that is not the case. Well, the That's fact that they didn't raise it tells you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of saying the same thing, but but going the other way. Or we could we could read into that anyway. Well, that's what I would say. It's it's they're just trying to say, look, inflation pressures are coming down, um, so we are in the right direction. And because of that, we're not raising it, but we're watching it closely. And they've kind of given you a hint, uh, petrol and uh, diesel prices are going up. So as I said, that is the energy is the main uh, input factor for They've inflation. already gone up. 
They've already gone up. They're not going up. They've already gone up. Yes, and they're going to go up further. Nothing goes up in a straight line, mate. So what they're just trying to say is um, things are getting cheaper. Uh, there isn't the crazy hiring spree after COVID. So people aren't getting those big fat pay rises just as companies need to fill up um, their empty spots in the offices and stuff like that. So they're saying that is bringing down the inflationary pressures, but they've clearly said that uh, uh, gas and petrol prices might have an impact. So they are laying the groundwork for the next rise as it comes. But what I also want people to start thinking is, as I mentioned before, I think in one of our chats, I've clearly mentioned before, all our housing rates are not dependent only on what the Reserve Bank is doing. Uh, rates move independently of the Reserve Bank as well. They are reactionary and they are not doing something before the fact. It is seen right. as because they're doing it that all of this stuff is happening. But the official cash rate is pretty much, we have this 90-day bank bill rate in Australia and New Zealand, which is what the banks lend money out at in the commercial corporate segment, and that is played off the official cash rate. So um, to give you an example, uh, the Australian official cash rate is 4.1%. But the New Zealand, uh, the Australian ten-year government bond is trading at about four point six three. So, as I mentioned over the last couple of weeks, bond interest rate yields are going up, which means bonds are dropping in value. So, the official cash rate of Australia is four point one, but their ten-year government bonds deal uh, going off at four point six three. In New Zealand's case, uh, it's a bit closer because our, our official cash rate is five point five percent, but the New Zealand ten-year government bonds trading at five point five one. Um. And the U.S. official cash rate is 5.25 or 5.5, but their bond is 10-year government bond is at 4.81. So as I said, the you have to pay more interest to get people to buy your bonds, um, whereas the U.S. Um, bond rate is lower than their official cash rate because yeah. the U.S. government bond is more in demand as well. So it's all demand and supply and all that kind of stuff as well, as I mentioned before. Okay, well, we've got that out of the way. Um, I want to get on in just a moment to to one of the other stories I think you're keen at looking at from uh, interest.co.nz. But first of all, how do people get in touch with you, Farzan? We need to um, we need to talk about that quickly. Yeah, sure. Uh, as I've mentioned before, people would reach out through my website, successsimplified.life, and flick me an email. I'd most appreciate any, any of your questions or queries, and I'm happy to help where I can. And we must uh, also say that none of what you say Certainly none of what I say, because I don't know anything, um, is not like financial advice. It's just kind of opinion and uh, and pulling apart what we see in front of us at the time. Yeah, exactly, mate. That's, uh, this, none of it is personal financial advice. Everyone's circumstances are different. All we're trying to do is get people to think about what's happening in the world and just talk about money matters and connecting the dots for some people. Okay, so I'm reading from a headline from interest.co.nz, good site for this sort of news, obviously. From uh, So it was the 3rd of October, so a couple of days ago. Latest RBNZ figures show while overall non-performing loans climbed in August, household mortgage stress didn't get any worse. So is that a good or a bad headline, Farzan? What do you reckon? I think it's a start of, uh, well, you could balance it out, Matt, um, because the headline actually tells you 
that the non-performing loans have climbed in August and is the highest since October 2020. So that part is not good. But what they try and tell you is, but the household mortgage stress didn't get any worse. So it's a positive spin on what is, um, I wouldn't say negative, it's the start of what's happening in the market. And we've spoken on previous occasions on many times that unfortunately, as interest rates rise, people will find themselves um, kind of in trouble um, because they have only so much disposable income. And I kind of um, did some calculations uh, just for people to understand some of these. Um, I looked at the average uh, one and two year fixed rate in August 21 and an average one and two year fixed rate in August 23. So just talking through some numbers for people, uh, one year fixed back in August 21 was 2.49. And now it's about 7.1. Wow. Two, okay. that, that, so yeah, it's a two and a half time jump, right? So in a two year fix was 2.7. It is now 6.78. So you, you can see just in those numbers, the interest rates have gone up by two and a half to close to three times. Uh, what happens next? But a simple calculation on a half a million dollar mortgage, if someone had, a, um, had those rates uh, back then, they were paying about 975 a fortnight on their mortgage. And approximately, it's now about 1625 a fortnight. Boy, that's what you've got to find extra in a fortnight. In a fortnight, almost 800 bucks. Okay, so how come there's no mortgage stress? Is that because people will sacrifice everything to pay the mortgage? And most people would need a roof over their head. So, of course, they will sacrifice. Uh, first comes food and then comes shelter. Uh, so those are human beings' basic needs. But I wouldn't get too far ahead by what you think is a good number because I let, let's talk about that article. So as I always tell people, don't read the headlines, read the actual article and look at the numbers below that. So they have clearly told you non-performing loans uh, at their highest since October 2020. And the number that's non-performing is $3 billion. Okay, that's a yeah. big, big number. It sounds uh, big, yeah. Yeah, it is big. And non-performing housing loans in New Zealand, uh, which is 90 days overdue, is what is the number we're looking at now yes in context of what is uh, the real lending in the new zealand economy i just want to give people some context there as well so in the article they talk about total loans in the banking system in new zealand so i think you have asked me sometimes uh, this question and uh, the total loans in the banking system in new zealand are about 551 billion but housing out of that 551 billion is 346 billion. So housing forms about 63% of all lending in the New Zealand economy. Gosh, okay. That tells you something. That that tells you something, right? So when housing and households feel the stress, um, that is when we'll start seeing um, some kind of problems. But even with this, uh, with the non-performing loans, in December 22, they were at 850 million in housing only, I'm talking about. And in August 23, so that's only eight months later, it's gone up to 1.13 billion. So it's gone yeah. from 850 million to 1.13 billion. So people can now start thinking of what is happening in the economy uh, in just eight months' time as these interest rate effects flow through. And as I've mentioned prior, um, in countries like America, people fix mortgages for 30 years. In New Zealand, Australia, Canada, we do not have that optionality. Uh, the long-term rates you can fix are five or seven years at the most, depending where you are. 
Um, so a lot of this pain and effect is to be felt now. Um, but just one other thing, as we have mentioned prior, it is the commercial property space that will feel the pain. And in this uh, article also, what they're trying to say is it's the commercial properties that have started, um, they're, they're, they're the ones that are the most non-performing loans. And that's the positive spin is that the housing segment hasn't got such a big hit. And I would just use the word yet. Okay. Yet. Okay. So, um, incrementally, it's it's going to worsen. Obviously, that um, that figure is going to grow. Yes, you would expect that, right? It just it just uh, nothing we're saying is it's just common math. It's common math, as I just said. If you come out from a uh, one year fix of two point four nine, let's say two and a half percent to seven point one or seven percent, that's almost three times the interest rate you're paying on your mortgage. And the example I gave was a half a million dollar mortgage, uh, where your fortnightly yeah. payment went from nine seven five to sixteen twenty five. Now, let's be honest: a lot of people in uh, New Zealand, we know what the average house prices were. So most people don't have a half a million dollar mortgage. Well, some people will have mortgages smaller than that. Some will have none. But let's be honest, what's been happening in the economy and they're talking about first home buyers and all of that, it is people are going to start feeling the pain as these interest rates come off. And just talking about, if, if you're talking about these interest rate um, uh, impacts, as we've also mentioned in the past, as interest rates go up, house prices will come down. So something else uh, I looked into some data, and this is what we try to do on the radio, is just try and filter down some of the most important information for our listeners. Uh, in New Zealand, the housing medium price back in uh, November 21, so this is the median price, it's just the in-between kind of thing, was $1.24 million in November 21. As I said, that was kind of the peak, November uh Novemberish after the COVID flushing of the economy, cheap money had yep. kind of stopped. And in September 23, the average housing median price is 987k. So you've got so so you got the worst of to me, it seems you got the worst of all worlds. You 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 set up a situation where there's um property price inflation because you've been printing money. Well, you should have been probably as cautious as you'd ever be in that situation, but that wasn't the case. So there's plenty of money to borrow. The interest rates at that point were still not through the roof, but were starting to trend up. So whoever bought at that peak has <laughs> paid that median price, let's say. Now their place is worth nearly 400K less. They're paying three times or double, let's say, almost, a month for their mortgage and their property value. Yeah, I just mentioned that has gone down. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> let's just say people who took on debt in the last couple of years are just underwater already. Yeah, but just so, remember who set that up. Yeah, the very people that are supposed to protect the people. The gun, <laughs> right? I mean, they set this up. Either they're complete moron idiots, or some of them are, or or I, I don't know what's going on. It's interesting to look at, the, you've mentioned some data already from that story, but going back to 2022, that was the last, um, you know, for the first time they say that the non-performing loans have uh, hit this mark. For the first time since October 2020, that was COVIDville then. But also, um, they say that non-performing loans 
We're at 2.2%, which is even higher um, during um, 2011. Was that post the um, economic, what do they call it, the the um, economic crisis. Or the, yeah, the global financial crisis. That's so the one. What, yeah, again, that's the positive spin, right? So what they're trying to say is, look, the housing non-performing loans have gone up. Um, but as of right now, in August 23, when this reports come out, it's only 0.55, so 0.55% of total housing loans. But it's not as bad as it was in 2011, which was 2.2%. So relax, everybody, just relax. Just relax. It's not as bad as 2011, but we know what the global financial crisis uh, caused, and that's the number they, they're referencing to the highest point where there were non-performing loans. But what also people got to understand, and this is unless you do data analysis and economics and stuff, you don't understand this. When it's 2.2% of what were the housing loans back then, that is very important to be seen. Oh, so, so there's because- been a growth in lending since then. Of course. So if I tell you 1% of 1 million and 3% of half a million, it could be the same number. I'm, I'm 2% of what half a million, let's say, for example, it's still the same number. So when they tell you 2.2% or 2011, but at that, start, at that time, the housing loan total pool or the basket was smaller as well. So even if it's right now only 0.55%, it sounds like a good number, but it could actually, the actual number could be higher than what it was in 2011. But again, this is only the start, as I'm saying, because the interest rates still have to filter through the economy. It's something called the lag effect. As, as, as interest rate increases, filter through an economy, as people come off their fixed mortgages, they will start feeling it. Now, now is the start of all of this. And also, what you got to understand, it's not just the interest rates, but with inflation and your petrol and food and everything getting more expensive, uh, any uh, pandemic savings that people had, because they weren't going to work, they weren't spending on all these things, and the government was giving them money, those savings up their sleeve or their buffers are also used up. So it's it's a trilemma, not a dilemma, but a trilemma, a trilemma. Oh, because gosh. your savings are all dried up. You've used it all towards a more expensive living, keeping up with the Joneses, or uh, just for day-to-day expenses because of inflation in the economy. Second comes the lag effect of the interest rates, which will now start hitting people's pockets. The third is if you if it's starting to hit your pockets and you think, oh, let me get out of this before I start getting into negative equity, most people will already be, most people in the last couple of years who have bought a property will most probably be negative equity. But let's say if you're not and you saw because you paid a 20% deposit or 25% deposit up front, you're seeing yourself getting very close to the house value being very close to what you owe the bank. You might say, let me get out now, just in case if interest rates go further, my house might drop and in value and I might be negative equity soon. But how do you sell your house when nobody else is in the market buying because they can't afford it now? The banks won't give them money. As we spoke last week, credit is tightening. And I've just given you an example of the housing median price dropped by 253K. I've written down this number because it went down from 1.24 million in November 21 to September 23, 987K. And the average selling price has dropped by 220K from 1.27 million to 1.06 million. So the average selling price has dropped by 220K. So on a million dollar house, if that was the average and you put up 200K as a deposit, you took an 800K loan. In the last two years, what have you paid off? Sweet bugger all. 
Yeah, yeah sweet bugger all, right? might have even gone, gone backwards. Actually. Could have gone backwards, depending on how much you put up and how quickly you managed to pay when interest rates were low in the last two years. Some people were smart and they knew they were going to go from the two and a half to maybe about 7%. So they used these two years, as I said, there were savings and buffers to maybe pay it down quicker while the interest rates were low. Because remember, out of your fortnightly or monthly payments, a lot of that goes towards interest. A little less yeah. goes towards your principal. So some people might have been smart. But again, if this is the rate at which it keeps dropping and we haven't felt the pain yet, what happens is most people come off these, as I said, the lag effect, they're going to start feeling it now. The economy is going to start feeling it now. So it's just, it's not about scaring people. It's about telling people, be prepared, look at your personal circumstance and see which one of these buckets are you in. That's as simple yeah. as it is. But most people don't have too much room to move. They've usually got only one source of income. You've got to have a, a healthy um, employer to be able to accommodate any substantial rise in pay or salary or anything to cover this. That's not going to happen. The other interesting figure is that they say that um, uh, Reserve Bank loans by asset quality figures for August show that total non-performing loans rose by 171 million. 6%, that's in one month. So you've got a 6% rise, if I'm reading this right, in that, uh, you know, hitting that $3 billion figure only in one month. Yes, that's essentially what they've told you, right? And that is the article saying it's gone to $3 billion <laughs> mark for the first time since October 2020. So it has risen that much, $170 million in the month. Which takes it past that little grand scale of three billion, and and, and that that's north on the way to ten percent territory. That's a bit of a rocket ship lifting off, even though it's still quite modest at the moment because it's only in one month. Well, yes, hundred and seventy million in stress. But you've got to understand when they say in a month, these are ninety days non-performing. So most of these have already been in right. trouble for the last sixty days, right? They've ticked over into that. So now, if you think about how many more of these in the next month or two months, because they've on sixty days and now they pass the ninety day overdue, and that's why I said to you, banks will try and work with the customers because they don't want these coming up. Because smart investors will start getting out knowing what's coming. Well, most people should know by now what's coming. But another figure that I've written down here, so as of August 2023, oh no, and this is the pain I'm telling you what is about to be felt. If these are the numbers we're talking about, owner occupiers in New Zealand as of August 2023 who have fixed mortgages, there's a total of 230 billion in the New Zealand economy. 230 billion. And in the next six months, 66 billion, that's 28% comes who are going to have to refix. And in the next 12 months, that's 134 billion. So in the next 12 months, 58% of New Zealanders who are currently on fixed rates are going to have to refix or go on to variable. Now, what do you think oh, happens? Yeah, so yeah. it is so obvious what's going to happen in the next 12 months at 60%, well, 58.3%, 134 billion of mortgages in New Zealand come overdue for refixing. So everyone who has a mortgage out there, and we've just talked about some numbers where you're going from about 975 a fortnight to 1625, people who are on million dollar mortgages are going to go from about a thousand bucks to about 3000 bucks a fortnight. It's Ooh. going to 
There, people there. are going to start feeling this now. And that's what I'm saying. The lag effect. You've got to understand how the lag effect works. And that is why through some numbers out there, in the next 12 months, 58% of owner-occupier fixed mortgages in New Zealand come up for renewal. I'm not hearing, we've got an election in a week and a half, as you know, as everyone knows. I'm hearing a few little promises here and there, you know, tax cut here, you know, tax cut there kind of thing. And, you know, um, sort of, uh, you know, talking about uh, getting New Zealand, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about New Zealand, getting New Zealand back on track and all these things. This is all BS, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, honestly, how can they? How can they save anyone or promise anything that will make any difference here? They're not they're not talking. There's no adults in the room. That's the conversation we have to have, isn't it? The one we're having now. Well, you're talking about adults having a conversation. We had hoped. As we've already discussed, uh, true leadership is what is required, regardless of what country you're in, mate. But um, I'd like to add an analogy to what you said. Just think of it like a New Year's resolution, okay? New Year's, 31st December coming closer, and you're like, I have a resolution, I'm going to do this. And come the first or the second for a couple of days, you're good, and then you go back. I'm not talking about you, but 90% of the people. Oh, we've all know. done it. We've all, yes, we've all exactly. It. So it's like a New Year's resolution, right? Come that date, you just have to say whatever to make yourself feel good and make everyone around you feel good. And then sometimes you go back to the same old habits. Sometimes not. But you just got to think of an election as that, mate. As you get closer and closer, you have to make promises to get elected. As we mentioned, if you and I were honest politicians and we said, mate, are we not doing this? We're not doing this. We're cutting this. We're cutting that. We're cutting this. No one's going to bloody vote for us. And politics is not, politics is a popularity contest. It is not true leadership. Well, you'd expect the media media to be in there. Like, um, okay, I'm thinking back to um, the TVNZ. <laughs> they had Winston on last weekend, and uh, he said a few strident things. And it seems the, you know, the, a few people thought, you know, the interviewer really got him on funding prisons. Okay, funding prisons. Who cares about funding prisons? What about mass negative equity and depression befalling the land? Why not ask him about that? You see what I'm saying? They just don't go there. Why do you think that is? Um, there's there's a bit of a fix there, mate. What I'd say is, um, okay, so banks are lending all this money. The question I have is, given the times, yes, it'll be easy to blame the banks and all of that. But it's also for the average person, and this is not easy for the average person, to not get caught up in all the uh, media frenzy of how New Zealanders, it's a New Zealand dream, as I mentioned this in quite a few of our radio chats. Buy the house, it's the New Zealand dream, and this and that. And as I said, no bank put a gun to my head and said, come and borrow money to buy a house. Okay? There was that formal where the industry tells you that, all our media tells us that, and I have no debt, touch wood. So I don't care what's happening with the interest rates right now, do I? It doesn't no. affect me because no, I'm not right. in debt. <laughs> yeah. So the whole point is, it is the spin that gets you to do that. And as I've explained, banks balance sheets, they have a banking license, which means you have to sign a loan document, which goes on the asset side of the balance sheet for them to then give you a loan. If you did not do that, 
they did not force you to go and buy that house or take a loan from them. We've just got to understand that. So I'm not saying they're good or bad. Yeah, so it's, people have to take personal responsibility for their they actions. They have to start taking personal But when the culture is literally programming and persuading you to do that, and okay, that might be wrong, but if you're going to be asking serious questions about how a political party can save the world, if they, as they claim, as if they come in, well, you, you, you can't ask... Um, oblique questions that have no bearing on the main problem. It's, yeah, it, it blows me away. Oh. It's all a comedy show, mate. Just look at it as comedy and have a laugh. Because <laughs> otherwise you could get really sad about all of this, right? If you see the direction of all countries that the world is being taken into, it's all a charade. Everything's been in place for a long time. Um, I believe uh, Canada is now going to pass some law to monitor podcasts and stuff. And yep. why do you think that's happening? That's and right. the conversation around that is that uh, they, they have to make a revenue of $10 million at least. Of course, that's how they get it in. As I said about taxes as well, they'll get that in first and then they'll reduce the revenue target. So they'll, yeah, why does the government need to have podcasts registered? So we well, know well, that, uh, that was a, that's an interesting thing that you brought up there. That was one of my, um, question marks why 10 million in turnover what does that mean that they, the only thing that they could mean is it's a threshold so you know your average podcaster thinks well i'm never going to earn 10 million so it won't affect me and you've just said you know they'll lower that um as they go on okay i get that but also it that that tells you that that sends out a signal of how much you could lose if you don't do the right thing, it's it like it has a chilling effect. Either way, it's not good. Either way. Well, it's not. And I've explained this prior about taxes as well. How do you get something in which is going to be unpopular if you keep the threshold too low? So the whole point is to keep the threshold high. Initially, it might be 10 million and then they might bring it down gradually. And what are you going to do about it? Nothing. The law is already in place or the system is already in place. Same thing with taxes. It was supposed to be brought in to tax the rich because they were uh, earning a lot and everyone else, and it's about redistributing wealth. That's how something is brought in. I don't know if you know, um, but I think in Europe, <clears throat> in the European Union, they actually now, how we have a $10,000 limit on cash or something, yeah. I think in Europe they've brought in about 1,000 euros if you you're it's kind of illegal to do anything. I think thousand or two thousand euros. It's literally illegal. Why should it be illegal for you because using legal fascists. tender? That's, well, that yeah, that's the thing. What you got to understand, and uh, people who don't follow geopolitics or macroeconomics might not know this, but uh, the Treasury Secretary. Uh, Janet Yellen, who used to be the head of the Federal Reserve, I think about six or eight months back, she had a testimony in um, the Senate, and she was trying to bring a transaction limit of about 500. Right. So the government would know everything that was happening in your bank account for 500. Below that, they don't care. But yeah. why are these things being put into place? And obviously, it was rejected at that time. Yeah. But watch this space. They will have another go. These limits. And this is the whole thing with the CBDC. Uh, as I've said, Christine Lagarde has clearly said, our CBDCs will come in. We really don't want to know what you're doing under about 100 or 200 euros. But about that, of course, the government will know or the central bank will know what you're spending it on. There's nothing stopping them in there. They might even put it at 500 euros to start off with and then reduce it to 100 euros or just say everything. Or, There's nothing or you, stopping or, or, you or after keep... the fact. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
Um, I'm wondering, because oh, it's uh, 42 million is the turnover limit for platforms. They've got a similar uh, set of laws in European Union, EU. I think it's 42 or 48 million is the income threshold. That's clearly your Facebooks and your X's and and those. But uh, but it's the same pattern of play, right? They've, they've put a line in the sand on earnings in Canada, in the EU. But uh, that would be the easiest thing to change once you've you've put all this into law, right? You can you can drop that down just as uh, uh, like flicking a switch and say, okay, anyone who earns over five thousand dollars doing this has to has yeah. to um, comply. Yes, exactly. And and even if it was the other way around, let's say if it was ten million, if we go into hyperinflation. Then everyone will fit into that bucket anyway. Yeah, yeah. So um, again, they've yeah. got it both ways, mate. Uh, they can obviously drop the limit and say this law is already in place. Now we don't need all podcasts um, that are exactly as you said, maybe even twenty thousand dollars. How are you going to stop it once that regime is in place? And then well, they might say, "Oh, you did yeah. not report back to us, so we're just cancelling it. You're not allowed to be on the air yeah. because you didn't report to us or tell us that you were a podcast." Wow. Okay. Now, in terms of banks and, you know, distressed loans, 90 days or more, how long, do we know how long a bank can go on on having a distressed loan before it starts to cost them money? How much wiggle, you say, you know, they like to, to work with um, with uh, their debtors or their, you know, the, the people they do business with if they're having trouble paying. How long, how long can they go before they pull the pin, do you think? Uh, that depends from bank to bank, mate. And obviously, none of them want to report these kind of things. So as I mentioned previously, it'll be extend and pretend because they don't want their balance sheet going bad. As long as it's on the balance sheet and you keep paying even interest, even if you're not paying principal, then it is technically could be seen as a performing loan and a not, not, not a non-performing loan. So again, they'll, again, I don't know which bank is going to do what, but they might then for sell if they just work with you and say there's no way of you coming out of this. Now, if uh, let's say husband and wife are just making ends meet, and what if one of them loses a job? Then they will for sell it, won't they? Because well, they that, know that's, that there's that's no highly hi, that's highly likely in a recession. Yes, and we are <laughs> heading there. Well, we are technically in a recession, but then Grant Robertson came out and said, "Oh no, 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 we were not because it's zero point one percent or something along those lines." Now. America's also changed the definition of a recession. Yeah, well, as you do, funny. yeah. But yeah. what you got to understand is the guys who set up the system have set up the system a certain way to make it a game of musical chairs. The music plays for a few years and a few years, eight, ten years, and every eight or ten years, the music stops. People without a chair will get their chairs pulled out from underneath them, and they're the ones who will lose everything. This happened in the global financial crisis. This happened before that during the dot-com bust. It happened in 1987, where what they call Black Monday. Uh, Asian financial crisis, which took off the biggest hedge fund in the world, took it under. It was yeah, uh, LTCM and stuff like that. What do you got to understand? The system is set up for the middle class to lose their assets. It's literally an asset strip from the middle class. So you work hard, you try and build up assets. And if you're not smart through the process, you lose the assets and they go to the richest part of the people who hold these, which are the people who are the bankers, the hedge funds who create all this fictional money. And they are the ones who win. So you work hard and the asset goes to them. Now, what is coming in the next few years 
He's going to be the mother of all of this. I'm just telling people up front now. He's going to be the preview. We don't, if we call that a global financial crisis, the next thing is going to make that look like a walk in the park. Because mm -hmm. this time, a lot of people are going to lose their chairs and they will just change the rules in the middle of the game as they can. So asset strip of the middle class. Just think about that. Okay. And um, and then where does that leave everybody then? Well, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. You'll rent it from them. Well, you might not be happy. This is the thing. Right. This is um, Isn't this a recipe for terrible upheaval ultimately there, it is it is it is it is but they will then try and say look 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 as I, I i've mentioned this weeks and weeks back the whole point of why did they say you'll own nothing and you'll be happy so if you lose it all some people will be happy some people will be very unhappy and the upheaval is gonna come i even mentioned it i think last week or the week prior i said it's okay when people who went along with the vaccine program and all that kind of stuff but when you lose everything or they take your money off you that is when people will quickly wake up, right? And, man, it's, um, yeah, all I can say is the system's been put in place for people to lose it, and that's the only way you can get a UBI and then rent, right? You're going to yeah. rent it off them. Now, if you have to go earn money or earn the UBI or whatever, there will be useful idiots who will just sit at home and play games, but there will be people out there who will have to go work in the economy to earn money or this UBI or whatever it is, the ENZD or the EAUD, Central Bank Digital Currency, just so they can keep a roof over their head because now if you don't own it, you rent it. And that's the aim that they're trying to get us to. Okay, so is there anything more to say about... Um, well, uh, okay, back to the election. Um, if If these political parties or governments, as they'll be after the process, are... Um, sort of owning up to reality and if you really wanted to try and and well i don't don't know if you can solve it but mitigate it you'd have to come in and the first thing you'd have to do would be to and slash like slash and burn massively government spending wouldn't you well depends on which way it goes mate so Something I don't discuss on the radio. Well, so, so the taxes, but so so the the draw on the taxes, the need for for taxation is lessened. So more people have more money, but that could be worthless money. Having more worthless money in their pocket. Well, that that's it. As I said, it could go either way, right? So when it, let's say, what we mentioned, if this scenario plays out and everyone is starting to lose everything, you're not going to ask the government to go to austerity then. Because the government is the only one who's going to have to flood the system and give people money to survive. So in that case, as I've already told you, governments will have to borrow more and tons and tons of money this time, which will again be fictional money just to hand out to people when people are in trouble. So think through that scenario. So it's not like you can tax your citizenry base when they're mostly losing jobs. That is not it. So the government will again be asked to help and they'll come and borrow more money and just spend it into the economy. So we just got to understand this cycle of how it works. And the borrowing gets bigger and bigger and bigger every time. In fact, I think um, people are realizing what's happening around the world with uh, even America right now. Um, they, the Congress agreed 
to avoid a US government shutdown until mid-November, which is 17th November. So yep. as we've talked about these trillions and trillions being thrown, their deficit spending is so big that some Republicans are getting really angry that the taxpayer is being held uh, to ransom for all this rubbish spending. Including um, the war in Ukraine, including funding the entire Ukrainian government, all the public servants, and everything. Um up till now, it was. No, on this one, they didn't. So I don't know if you've heard this uh, in the last couple of days, what's happened. So they avoided the government shutdown by extending it to November 17th uh, by getting this, uh, as they call it, a stopgap uh, measure in there. A continuing resolution, I think they call it. Yeah, but Kevin McCarthy was uh, wanted to, obviously, the Democrats wanted more funding for Ukraine, but the only way they got this uh, signed off was no funding for Ukraine. So you got to understand what's happening behind the scenes as well. Funding, there was no funding for Ukraine in this bill. There was only enough for uh, the uh, government extension to November 17th. You got to understand the government has employees like police, this, that, all that kind of stuff. But what happens after mid-November is the funny part. And you also got to understand geopolitics is because America couldn't give any money to um, Ukraine on this tranche. European leaders that come out and say, oh, don't worry, we're going to help you out. So there was an article out there saying they've all said, okay, we're going to keep supporting Ukraine as long as it takes. Now, it's a foot in mouth disease. Once you have taken on this thing of going Ukraine, Ukraine, and versus Russia bad, Russia bad, now there is no way for them to get out without looking foolish. So the more they dig, the deeper they're going to get. And this is the problem. Um, what has happened also is Kevin McCarthy, who's the speaker. Uh, no, uh, wait, he, wait on. He's, he's just lo- I'm just looking. He's just lost that vote. He's, he's, he's been, he, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Because in January, when they put him as speaker, uh, he had promised that he was going to look at all these things and cutting down uh, spending yep. and all that stuff. So obviously he's one of the, what they call, um, I don't know, the swamp the or whatever. or the uniparty or whatever. Yeah, yeah. he's just, it, it's just the same thing, man, whether it's Democrat or Republican. So obviously he's gone now. Um, there was somebody, there's a senator out there who said Trump should become the next speaker. He's nominated Trump to be the speaker. So watch this space. It's going to get real fun. <laughs> As I said, we are now in October. Between now and next October, you are going to see fireworks that people haven't seen in their lives before. The world is about to change in the next 12 months. And, yeah, it's it's not going to be fun, I can tell you that. Time to buy up a good stock of popcorn so we can sit there and eat it while we watch the movie. Well, yeah, yeah, and some meat as well, mate, because um, yeah, popcorn ain't going to sustain you. Nourishing. Yeah. yeah, something nourishing would be nice. Yeah, but yeah. you just got to understand this, and as I mentioned in the last couple of weeks, what you got to understand is it's bonds. The bonds, uh, just to give you an idea, globally bonds right now, government bonds are about $140 trillion, Okay? Yeah. That is a massive number. If, if the America, which is... Um, kind of the biggest economy, second biggest economy in the world, um, depending on the numbers you look at, if their debt is 33 trillion and the highest in the entire world of history of debt, then can you imagine this globally 140 trillion in bonds? And as I've said, let's say if bonds burst, because they're balloons, and as interest rates keep going up, bonds lose value. Yeah. That is your next financial global collapse. Well, okay. All right. Well, um, let's finish. Um, let's finish on that note. As always, really interesting. Thanks, Farzan, for joining us again. 
and we'll talk some more in a week's time. Thanks for your time, mate. Always a pleasure. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.